it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Hello and a warm welcome to Stromash, the podcast of the NFL Scotland team. A slightly quieter opening this week because Cameron Hobbs is on his travels. Mind you, you could still shout, we'd still hear him, but and probably have a better internet connection where he is anyway. Anyway, good to have you joining us for this podcast. Look at a very wild week 14. Shocks, upsets, and the Cowboys ride again. In the company of Charles Patterson, Jamie Borthwick, and Gordon McGuinness, we'll have a look at all the action from week 14, have a look at how the playoffs are shaping up, and have a look to week 15 as well. Gentlemen, good evening. New York Giants against the Packers. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we get into that, let's also cover the fact that Cameron has had an absolute shocker this week. He might be in New York. He might be (laughs) on his work travels. However, he clearly told us all, 9 o'clock tonight, he would be able to start the chat. I offered to use my work Zoom earlier. No, no, no. He could could start 9 o'clock. He would be fine. Here we are, 18 minutes past, and... He, he couldn't be bothered to show up and start the Zoom. So, absolute shocker for Cameron. If we had Bob Ag as an award still, it would be his. Well, we do have Bob Ag as an award. We'll bring it back for this week only. Cameron Hobbs in New York City gets the Bob Ag of the week. Ian Stevens also joined us. Good to see Ian. So, I'm going to start with the Giants and Packers simply because that allows Jamie and Charles to argue with each other. Jamie, your team got the victory. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. I thought very well deserved as well. I thought they they played really, really well. They almost choked right at the end. Um, Didn't see it coming from Barkley being the guy who just about chucked it away. Um, But what a a drive. What a winning drive at the end of the game from Tommy DeVito to lead them up there uh, and kick the winning points. Um, It was fantastic. But in all honesty, I was quite confident. I I, I genuinely felt that they, they, they were on a roll that the Packers are not what a lot of their fans have been building them up to be over the last couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, very satisfying all round. I think that was a dig at you, Charles, that the fans are, are bigging up the Packers. You have the right of reply. I didn't big the Packers up. Gordon McGuinness bigged the Packers up last week. He criticised me, if I recall, for saying that I was expecting an eight or nine win season. He said I should be expecting more of that. I never bigged them up. I just said that he needed to apologise to Jordan Love. That was just, all I said just, last week. You just showed up as if it was Prime Minister's questions with your list of notes <laughs> and asked us if we wished to recant our previous statements, which I did. And then thankfully, yes, Jordan you did. Love you did. Like you did. In, and I, I, I slaughtered Ian as well, even though he wasn't there. And Jamie got let off because. Um, Jamie's never one for big grandois statements until now, because uh, I'm surprised that you you were extremely confident. Um, I was I was quite confident that the Giants would probably win, given the last time the Giants played the Packers, I was in your company standing in the <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and then proceeded to run out at the end because they'd lost. Um, listen, it's uh, another part of the roller coaster experience of the youngest team in the NFL. So they could have won the game, they didn't. But, yeah, you know, they're still in the mix for the playoffs. Well, you're still in the mix. I think if I'm correct, you're you're actually in the playoffs, aren't you? You're yeah, the seven well, seed. still still the, would be. They're today. the seventh seed, and then there's I think five teams queued up behind them, all with the same record. So it's become a bit of a logjam. Um, I mean, I mean, if you look at the number of teams in the NFL that are six and seven or seven and six, I think it's nearly half of the the entire NFL. It's just ridiculous. There's so much averageness across the league this year. It's it's frightening. And Green, Green Bay are right in the middle of that. And actually, I don't think the Giants are too far away from that either. They blew a couple of games early in the season where, whereby if they'd won those, they would be 6-7 and seven or 7-6. Seven and six. So the I, fact that they're only one game away from a playoff spot is hilarious. <laughs> I, I said this in uh, the Patreons <laughs> chat earlier, uh, which is a good reminder that people should sign up for that because it's good fun, good banter. Uh, I said this after roasting Packers fans for a little bit first. But uh, important point for all my uh, criticism of the Jordan Love draft pick, I do think the Packers deserve a lot of credit for the extension they gave them this offseason because 
he's only on the books for I think it's like a seven million dollar cap hit next year. So you've still got the rest of this season and all next year to figure out whether or not he is going to be your quarterback going forward. So the issue that they'd ran or I thought they were running into before, which was you're going to have to make a decision on whether or not you're giving this guy the fifth year option or you're paying him along a big contract. They managed to get around that by extending them for uh, like giving him more money this year and extending them for next year and kind of kicking that decision down the road a little bit. So they're actually in a position next year whereby they're not paying a lot of quarterback and they have more time to figure out how good he really is. So it's hmm. they're in a pretty and, good spot. And last night, we saw he didn't play quite so well, but actually when he needed to in the final drive, he was money. And they, they should have won the game, really, in that position if the defence had actually bothered to, to do its job. And the defence has been pretty good the last three or four weeks. So that's just the beauty of the NFL. I think that there's 20 to 25 teams in there who, which can beat each other any, any day of the week. I mean, there was two games. I'd like to talk about the fact that the two-game scenario was going on last night. And it was really quite weird watching back some of the coverage because you had two completely wacky endings to the games whereby, you know, the Giants blow a lead and then look like they're going to lose and then somehow win. And Miami then blow an even bigger lead um, and somehow contrive to lose a game that they ought to have put away minutes and minutes before. And it was quite an entertaining Monday night, I thought, all, all truth be told. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what the viewing figures are because, I mean, ESPN and ABC are the same company and, you know, they, they've got rival games on, on the same networks, which is fairly interesting. We, we've lost another quarterback with Justin Herbert going out, but before I get into the deep dive with some of the other games, I want to ask this question of all of you. Have we reached a point in the NFL where teams are going to have to seriously look at carrying two quarterbacks who are capable of running their offense and not just relying on a star. Did I not moan about this about four weeks ago? I think that, I did. And I think look, Tony to DeVito. To yeah, but it, it's not difficult. We we slaughtered Tommy DeVito when he first played earlier on in the year. Tommy DeVito is a more than adequate um, so, replacement so Josh, for Daniel so, Jones. So Josh Dobbs and he shit the bed and they've now gone with Nate Mullins. So yeah. like, this whole backup quarterback thing, this is the season of the two-week... Uh, like cult hero quarterback it's joe flacco in cleveland it's tommy devito in new york it's who else have we had oh it's josh dobbs in arizona josh dobbs in minnesota it's just all these and it's two weeks and then all of a sudden things do drop back down jake browning in cincinnati all of a sudden now is he's going to be great people are talking about joe burrow being a system quarterback nonsense uh, it, like whether or not in an ideal world having two quarterbacks that can run your offense would be wonderful there are not 64 quarterbacks capable of running NFL offenses on the planet right now well, the, 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 but you know, here's the thing though because there are more than there are certainly more than 10 or 15 very decent quarterbacks capable of knocking off any, any other defense any in any other given week and so the question is is it are you just are you rolling the dice to find someone who's maybe, if your quarterback gets knocked out of the game, going to win you four or five games rather than one or two. Because then it is worth paying an extra three or four million dollars a year to have them sitting on the roster. Because actually, is that going to be the difference between you reaching the playoffs and not? I mean, we're talking about a division out there in the NFC South that's going to be probably won by either Desmond Ridder or Baker Mayfield or a combination of Derek Carr, Taysom Hill, and Jameis Winston, all right? Now, none of those quarterbacks on the form that we've seen this year would you would consider to be top-level quarterbacks. None of them. And yet you can win a division. I don't think, you know, I don't think the gap is that, it's that great that you can, you know, if you to chuck a little little bit extra at quarterback number two, you're, you've got an insurance policy that could potentially take you to the Super Bowl. Which is where I want to bring Ian. Ian, when when the Eagles had their quarterback issues, did you expect that Foles coming in as the backup could take the Eagles to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl, or was he just one of these, as as Gordon described, it's almost that two week, more than a two week wonder in his case. I mean, they did well. Did did the Eagles do that deliberately to have somebody as as good as that, or did they get lucky? Oh, sorry, sorry, hold on a second. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell him. All right. Okay. 
Sorry, uh, that was Rose West. Paul, she wants her curtains back. <laughs> She's not. That that would work if we were a visual podcast, Ian. Uh, answer the question. Um, I, I wasn't listening. What were you asking? He was talking about by your curtains. Something about Eagles and quarterbacks and Nick Foles. Know. Did you expect Nick Foles to be really good, or did the Eagles just get a little bit lucky? Um, I expected him to, uh, as soon as he was drafted, to win as a Super Bowl. You're really on it tonight, aren't you, Ian? <laughs> You're in the zone. I, I think it's Bill Belichick in disguise. I think we've got a problem. Listen, I think we don't, he's, we, he's we, don't to, we don't need to talk about this because we talked about it at a live event and if people didn't buy a ticket and turn up to the live event, they're not getting it for free. So let's move on. Just just on the subject of um, backup quarterbacks, um, and this is very hot and right now, this this is why we record 20 minutes late because otherwise we wouldn't have, we would have missed this. Um, Minnesota Vikings have just tweeted, Nick Mullins will start as quarterback. So Josh Dobbs is no longer the two or three week fantasy. He has been benched. So we we knew that at halftime mm. of the of the three nil masterclass, <laughs> and it just like this is the the other important part in this discussion is if you take this year and you go, oh, this year's the reason why it shows you know investing in a backup quarterback is smart and the right thing to do. Let's not ignore the fact that this year we are seeing more backup and third-string quarterbacks playing games. So you can go out and win a game with your backup quarterback when you're going up against a backup or a third-string quarterback. It's not as easy to go and beat a starting quarterback. Now, we, you know, some backups are, like last night we saw backups going and winning games. But the reason why more backup quarterbacks are winning games this year is simply just because more backups and third-stringers and fourth-stringers are playing across the NFL. Is 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 there also scope for argument that the quality, apart from the, your top top tier, your, you know, your your Lamar's and Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrows of this world, the the actual sort of the second or third bracket of quarterbacks in the NFL isn't actually that good anymore. Yes, th- this this is where this is where there's I think a lot of draws. The, the important debate is, and Jamie, you're you're. Current starting quarterback is gonna is gonna, is gonna catch some strays here as I've put Ian to sleep. Uh, this is we, so boring. In 1988, the 49ers had Joe Montana and Steve Young on the roster. Intelligent franchises know that if you have a good backup quarterback, that it's going to stand you good for the, the the season. If you don't have a good backup quarterback, you've got a ridiculously stupid franchise, and you've got ridiculously stupid franchises because owners stick their oars in and select the quarterbacks instead of the guys that are GMs and coaches. So that's the end of the argument. It's been going on for 20, 30. 40, to, to be years. fair, to be fair, that wasn't Charles's question at the end there, though. It no, was. I'm not having a go at Charles. I'm just having a go at the. That's a rarity. Of... You're, you're having a go at Paul for the original question. Um... It's, no, it's, no, Paul's, Paul's. It's not Paul. It's been suggested to Paul. It's not his his notion. He's just been a conduit. Paul, Paul, Paul is inadvertently um, trying to accentuate the idea that his backup quarterback should really be starting because we all know that to be true. Yes. He anyway, just doesn't want to admit it. To, to, to answer Charles's <laughs> point, the mid-tier of quarterbacks in the NFL, the the big discussion should be is should you pay those mid-tier guys or at that point are you actually better paying less for a for a backup? So if you're the Giants, are you better off paying Daniel Jones $30 million a year or however much he's got? $40 getting? million. If you're the Saints, are you better paying <laughs> Carr $30-odd million a season or are you actually better with Tommy DeVito? And Tyrod Taylor costing you is eight million total, ba- however much it is. Baker's on about four and a half million. He's or not five on much million. either, yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure his agent will try and land him an extension if they win the division. He's probably on a lot of incentives if they do. He is. He's he's already hit most of his incentives, I think. I I, I don't I just I don't think the quality of backups is actually the main point here, is more than look after your quarterbacks. I don't know if it's if it's terrible offensive line play this year, or whether it's like there's a, a step ahead from the pass rushers, or are we scheming our quarterbacks to get into too much trouble? Should we be looking after them? Should we be keeping them in the pocket so that their offensive linemen actually know where they are? Um, but I think that I think 
Herbert was the eighth or ninth starter that's now out long term. Um, and it's all happened in one season. So a combination of those things is making these guys go down. I don't think that, yeah, I mean, we know you've got a good backup, then you've got a better fallback plan, but that's not really news. Surely the discussion point is how on earth do you look after your quarterback better? So this is good. This is a good question for you, Ian. So from my looking at a spreadsheet perspective, I would look at it and I would say offensive line play across the NFL is down this year. There's still really good elite players, but there's less cohesive, solid, at least solid five players across lines in the NFL. They've also had injuries in offensive offensive lines, but you're more of like a technique and actually like in the trenches guy. So like, does that match the eye test from you? Does it seem like offensive line play is down a bit this year? Um, no, you can't really tell because teams are getting rid of the ball so quickly. Um, teams are teaching a different technique when it comes to blocking, so they're less physical. They, they, they're more just kind of getting in the way, other than when they do the um, burly shove. So with Cameron being away, it's my job to ask the stupid questions. Are we, are we looking at a, a situation where there's going to be more rotation of quarterbacks potentially? You know, sharing time just to see if you can, you know, not get so many injuries. You play out more garbage time with a backup. I hope Let's come back to the Saints again. <laughs> no, I'm not coming back to the Saints again. You're obsessed. <laughs> Somebody sensible answer this. I don't think it works at quarterback because it's so difficult to have similar styles at the position. So where I think, like, the Saints using Taysom Hill the way they use him is one of the more successful ways. He's not really a quarterback, though. They put him in as a kind of runner, occasionally throw the ball. Like, it's it's to kind of use him in kind of power-type situations and stuff like that. You, you don't really have a lot of quarterbacks who have enough similar styles whereby you can just go, okay, midway through this drive, we're switching, or the next drive, we're going with this guy. Like, you see it in college quite a lot, and successful teams generally don't run two quarterbacks. And that's because if you have a quarterback who's good enough to be on the field, he should be on the field. Yeah, again, so so the, the obvious answer to that, Gordon, is should you not be recruiting your backup quarterback in the same style as your starter? Well, isn't that what the, the best teams have historically done? Um, over the course of time, I don't so, think that there's any question. So, I mean, look at Baltimore, right, and, and as much as I like to wind Gordon up, Baltimore are a case study in a well-run franchise in that they have a backup quarterback who is basically a ghost or a shadow of the guy who's the starter. And you know, I mean, there are other case studies of, uh, uh, you know, Pittsburgh are another one. They've got two quarterbacks, neither of whom can throw the ball straight. So yes. there you go. So they, they, went, they went to get Trubisky <laughs> so they could have someone actually. Um, the, the Ravens, the New though, England Patriots, another excellent example of having quarterbacks who are exactly the same, i.e. completely pish. Ba- Bailey so, Zappi and Mac Jones just yes. look exactly like each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've got to remember that the Patriots went out and drafted the number one quarterback and paid him the highest amount of money in franchise uh, history. And it turns out the actual quarterback they needed was the guy they'd taken in the fifth round a couple of seasons later and effectively supplanted him. And that that's the way it, it works a lot in the NFL and that it's not necessarily the guy that comes in, the number one draft pick. It's the the guy that comes in Kirk Cousins style or Brock Purdy style and they are the guys that make franchises look intelligent. It's the guys that, that go in the top 10 are the guys that make franchises look stupid and give the franchises the opportunity to look stupid again. And if you look back... So- there's so, much conjecture, there's so much conjecture at the moment about Bill Je- Belichick. He needs to get fired because his team's got such a poor record, etc. He's probably a better coach than 95% of the coaches in the, the NFL. And if you're an intelligent G- um, intelligent franchise owner, you'd be desperate for the Patriots to sack him so you can snap that guy up. Yeah, on, on the subject of Belichick, don't forget when Brady was, you know, in his pomp and in the, in the mid-noughties, they, and later, they drafted... Um, Matt Cassell and the year that um, Brady bust his knee Matt Castle took them to I think 10-6 or 11-5 they drafted Jacoby Brissett 
who's proved more than capable at lots of different franchises. They drafted Garoppolo because they, they, they the needed that. In, who then went to the Super Bowl. And they were able to actually, they drafted high quality backups who then they either traded on or when they needed to come in, proved that they were good. There, so there is that there is a case to be made in like draft if you even if you have a quarterback draft one in the fourth or fifth round every year because you then have the opportunity to you know develop a guy it's cheaper it's cheaper to do it like doing that is smart especially because so one if you have a franchise quarterback if he gets hurt if you can have a guy who can win you two or three games while he's out, you're in good shape. But also if you don't have a franchise quarterback and you've got that guy who you're not quite sure if it's him or not, having the guy in the fourth round means that you've got other options. So I like I don't think it's really a case of you should draft the same type of quarterback. I think it's you should probably make a point of drafting a quarterback every second year in the fourth round, something like that. And if he's good, he sticks around for a bit. Once his contract's up, you do the same. If he's shit, then two years later, you'd replace him with another fourth rounder. Okay, let's move away from that. Let's talk about some of the games. And Ian, we'll we'll talk about Cowboys-Eagles, the Cowboys 33, the Eagles 13. Uh, What was your take on the game? I think any time you lose three fumbles while you're driving to score, then you're not going to win that game. And uh, ball security was the big issue for the Eagles in that game. And you couple the fact that uh, in Cowboys Stadium, the Cowboys are a very good uh, football team. And it looks very likely it's going to come down to one of the triumvirate of the Eagles, 49ers, and the Cowboys making it out to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Um, But watching that game, there was some really really kind of odd things that took place. And there was a big debate about Kadarius Tony and uh, Pat Mahomes with a kind of call right at the end of the game. Um, quite ironic, Mahomes was complaining, saying they should let the players play when you had the call against the Eagles in the Super Bowl last season, where the officials decided to let the players play. And effectively, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl from that. But um, this was something that I touched upon in the past. Um, and it's something that's kind of pervading into not only American football, but our version of football as well. So when Dallas had their first touchdown, um, Dak Prescott scrambled out to the left. You could see Jordan Davis was being clearly held. Flag was thrown, and it looked like the touchdown was getting called back. But then the TV broadcast said, oh, no, we've just heard that they've decided to pick up the flag. Somebody's called down from New York. You're like, wait a minute, what? That... You can't do that. That's not part of the rules of the NFL. It's only to do with um, any sort of decision about was it a touchdown, was the player in, was it a catch. You can't phone down and say we've decided that's not a hold when it was clearly a hold. They can't even say, oh, it was 30 yards away. It was it was play side and it was Jordan Davis who ran down a quarterback last week um, in the game against the 49ers. So it was a bit, a bit weird. Then in the next Cowboys drive, the Eagles are holding them and Darius Slay gets a pass interference call that was a ghost call. He, he didn't touch anybody. The 49ers contact on AJ Brown in the end zone last week was double the level of force. And that was a case of the officials saying, we're going to let these guys play. So it's like, oh, fair enough, I understand that. If you're going to let these guys play in the big, big games, let the guys play in all the big games. Don't decide this game we're going to get let the guys play. This game we're going to be really soft and ticky tacky. It's not consistent. Then you were talking about we're talking about um, quarterback injuries. So Hurts runs, he slides, and Bell hits him. No flag. If that had been another quarterback, if that had been somebody that was a bit more of a pocket passer and he'd done it, if it had been Aaron Rodgers, for example, that would have been. Quadruple yellows and the player ejected <laughs> from the NFL for history. Then you've got the Cowboy, Cowboys uh, runner has the ball. He lowers his helmet and initiates contact with um, Reed Blankenship. Blankenship's knocked out. He's taken out for the rest of the game. That's a flag. It was a point of emphasis two seasons ago that runners couldn't lower their helmets and initiate contact they, they don't no... really so like generally though as much as it's a point of emphasis they haven't flagged it on the field but what has happened is they've come down with fines after the fact 
Yeah, it's, it's pointless. Like, Flag out in the field as a foul. I, Don't come I, out I, afterwards. I, I agree. I, just, I think it's not an easy thing to spot a lot of the time for them, I think. Um, and then, right, this is a bizarre one. So, Eagles cornerback, I think it was Josh Job. He draws a pass interference call. Fair enough. It was a pass interference call. That's not an issue with that. But when he, he, when he made the pass interference, his hand touched the face mask. So instead of the referees saying it's either a face mask or pass interference, they said it was both. This is the first time I've ever heard of this. Instead of it being a 15-yard penalty or a 10-yard penalty, they decided to add it up and make it a cumulative 25-yard penalty. Like you've been found guilty of murder and manslaughter and you're going to serve both sentences concurrently. Like This has never been called before in the history of the NFL. What, what's, what's going on? Then... It dawned on me. Fourth quarter, um, time for the brotherly shove. Offside called in the Eagles, where he was clearly onside. He showed a camera angle right down the line. All the Eagles players were clearly onside. The Cowboys' nose tackle had his helmet over the ball. So it was offside in the Cowboys, but they gave it against the Eagles. And I think all the speculation, all the kind of promotion of the Eagles and what the NFL is determining as a rugby play. I don't think the NFL wants that to be shown um, in any of their marquee games. I don't think they like it. I don't think it's good marketing for the NFL to have a group of guys just pushing each other out of the way and you can't stop it. Um, and it, it goes back to what I said um, right at the very start. Somebody, somebody phoned down from New York and said, pick that flag up when there's no accountability for it. In rugby, you've got the TMO in the ear to the referee and you can hear exactly everything that, that, that's being said. There's total accountability in rugby when it comes to the video replay decisions. But in the NFL, you've got this voice that calls down from heaven to decide what the outcomes of certain parts of the game are going to be and it's got it's got implications not only for the sanctity of the game but also the fact that there's so much money that's now wagered in the NFL because of legalised gambling and you've got you've got bookmakers that are sponsored to the NFL it's a bad look it looks like there's collusion to either help the bookmakers or the bookmakers complain that there's collusion to mess up um, bets because uh, there's another there was a another play later on. Zach Martin was five yards downfield in a pass. Flag was thrown, and again it was mysteriously picked up um, because somebody had phoned down to the official and said, "No, it's not flag. Pick it up." So, I'm not saying that. By no means am I saying that the Cowboys cheated and the Eagles. <laughs> Cowboys were Cowboys. Were, Cowboys were better team in that game. Deserved to win. The Eagles fumbled. It wouldn't have mattered. But there was so much weird stuff going on in that game. You're really questioning what it was. Is it just the, the pure home field advantage the teams have in the NFL that influence? Um, Officials, is it because it was the only game that was on? So the entire viewpoint of the New York official office them was able to focus on that game and micromanage when they do that for the other games, but you don't notice it as much. I don't know, but there was some very, very strange occurrences that was going on in that that game. Um and I think the Eagles might have a reason to be aggrieved with some of the calls as compared to the highly publicised Pat Mahomes being upset but what happened with the Bills but I think Tony was perfectly offside in that play the first thing you're taught as a wide receiver is always check with the official whether you're onside or offside so it was criminal that he didn't do that that's his fault maybe that's part of the reason why the, the Giants jettisoned because his mind is not um, fully tuned into the game of football, perhaps. Uh, so I don't, and, and I don't have all those plays in front of me to to look at. But <laughs> from watching it, like I, I didn't, I I didn't feel like it was a, a massively egregious, officiated game either way. I do. I'm really intrigued to see because I think the Eagles are a really good football team. I think they're one of the best run franchises in the NFL. I think they are top to bottom as talented as any team in the NFL right now. They've kind of got punched in the mouth two weeks in a row, and I'm really intrigued to see how they respond. They've actually been punched in the mouth eight weeks in a row. 
and they've responded in the second half in six of the games. They've been atrocious in the first half in a, a lot of games and they've been able to fight back. And in the game against the Cowboys when they were trying to fight back, they just fumbled three times when they were trying to score. And that was the, the clear difference. It's one of the most highlighted stats in the NFL that if you lose a turnover battle, you're not going to win the game. Congratulations, Ian, for winning Rant of the Week by a country mile. I'm not I'm not ranting. I'm I'm questioning. I'm asking why you're sounding like an old firm fan. I'm asking why you're (laughs) you're being honest. Yeah, but it's a question any fan should be asking. Why is the referee not making the call in the field? Because referees are shit. We know they're shit. They always have been shit. But they're they've been shit since Paul Mitchell moaned about them in 2018. They, they're, fully, they're, they're fully accountable. They're human you know the beings. You know the they're not. They, they get paid hee-haw. I'm not, I, it's not the officials. Take, it's take it's not the referees, Charles, that I'm having an issue with. It's the fact there's a mysterious... Entity that's making the decisions, not the referee. Yeah, that's the Masons. I, I, I can understand if the referee doesn't make the right call. It happens. You can understand, but you see the referee right there. You know who as 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 a coach, you can ask him. You can say to the coach what happened, or you can get on his case. But if you've got and as it was alluded to in the broadcast, it was who was was it was it Chris Collinsworth that was on the. Calling that game, yeah, the, it was Sunday, Sunday, night. Sunday night football. Yes, it was Chris so Collinsworth as, as, and Tariq. As Gordon, as Gordon will uh, really admit, Chris Collinsworth is never wrong, always fully factually correct. He said that there was a call that came from the New York office, and that was why they picked up the flags. That shouldn't be happening at all. There shouldn't be any entity other than the referee and his crew influencing the game. It is all a conspiracy. I mean, I mean, I just I'm going to give up now. To be honest. Okay, I, I, it's totally a conspiracy. Gordon, can you kick Charles? He says he's given up. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, step in and be the voice of reason. I mean, officials. It doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the, the got, territory. I got this. I got though. You're the, the voice of. I mean, Jamie can be the voice of reason, but you're about to come in and be like, "Oh, you know, official doesn't matter the sport. You know, all this stuff." You're the one who absolutely believed. And believes you, that the officials have a thing against the Saints. You roast them every week. Every week. Guy, guys, there's a difference between suspecting something and knowing something. <laughs> anyway, I'm going, I'm going to the voice of reason. I'm going to Jamie. Jamie, we, you know, people may have seen this week that an owner walked onto a field and banjoed a, a referee in Turkey. Um, you know, the match officials are under extreme pressure. Ian's point, though, is an interesting one. Why isn't there the communications? Why can't we hear these communications from New York? I don't. I don't like re-refereeing. I don't. I don't like um, it being unaccountable. I don't like the, the the bunker in rugby, for example, whereas before you had the conversation going on between the guy with the screen and the guy in the field, and now you have a bunker. No one knows where it is or how they're coming to their decisions, and the ones that Ian describes, well, some of the ones that Ian described there in that sort of true crime podcast monologue, <laughs> um, believable. Well, fall into that category is absolutely spot on. Um, holding, for example, should not be re-refereed somewhere else. It, that that's that's got to be your judgment call, and officials are um, fallible. They can get things wrong. Um, we have a good system I think in the NFL of where scoring plays are reviewed and the, the, the things that properly majorly count are all reviewed and I think you just have to learn to live with mistakes being made on the field because the same mistakes can be made off the field in exactly the same way. We saw we saw it when they like tried to review pass interference after the Saints one where it was a missed call. There was no conspiracy it was just a missed hmm. call and when they tried to review pass interference calls it was an absolute fucking disaster it was even worse than it was before i i would love it if they if they did just look at scoring plays and fourth downs like you can only look at scoring plays third downs fourth downs don't don't review anything else because you just i know nothing is ever going to work out exactly even but things generally do over a larger sample size do come out in the wash like the Ravens this week could have easily been called for blocking the back uh, on the game winning punt return for a touchdown oh I saw that 
I split. saw that. Mm-hmm. So, but technically, I think the reason why they didn't is because if you initially start from the side, they don't flag it. And he kind of like starts from maybe like 75% back, 25% side. So they could have easily flagged that and you wouldn't have really had any complaint from it. Similarly, though, earlier in the game, the Rams got like an absolute phantom defensive pass interference call on Marlon Humphrey that gave them a first down. Like, bad decisions happen and I'd far rather just live with the fact that they do happen than just re-referee everything. I I know it's boring. I, I understand that. That's not, I mean, that's the point that I'm making is if you then, if if they said that was absolutely fine, and then you suddenly found out, oh, there's been a phone call, and we've decided not to allow that touchdown, Gordon, then that was it. You'd be like, what? We're not going to tell you why. We're just going to say there's not going to be a touchdown. Bye. And then that's that game over. You'd be like, um, I'm kind of feeling a bit aggrieved by that. But you've got to. You are trusting that the teams are trusting of the process between New York and and the stadium. It happens in baseball as well. Calls get referred, they get referred to New York, they're either upheld, overturned, or there's insufficient information to allow them to make a change to the call. You, you, again, you don't hear any back and forward on that. You just get basically the decision. So I presume that the, the NFL teams must trust the process be interesting to see. I don't know, Ian, you, you might know this. Have the Eagles made anything of this or are they just moving on? Well, they're just um, moving on. I don't think there's anything to make of it because it, I don't think it would have affected the um, result in the, the game. It wasn't as if you were kind of tied at 35-35 in the Super Bowl where you, you, you'd maybe have a case for making something like that. But it's, it's something that for me as a fan, it's concerning that the actual sanctity of the players and the official on the pitch is completely overruled by some sort of omniscient being um, and you never you never know why um, and there's a lot of conjecture about how maybe Machiavellian the, the NFL can be in a lot of situations and I don't think it's a very good look for the NFL I agree. Just at this point of the podcast, I should point out that if you did submit any belters or rants, rather than read them out on the podcast this week, we sent them to New York for a little holiday with Cameron. So thank you for that. Those emails have enjoyed that journey over there and they're enjoying a little look around the yeah. Big Apple. Yeah, we won't and... get a call from New York, unlike the people in Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> so while that is true, there are, so there's no, we don't have the full list of nominations this week. So apologies to anyone who did send any in. Cameron is fully at fault and he accepts that it's fully his fault. I don't think, I think we're also not going to draw anything um, this week. So that'll be deferred to future weeks. Cameron has sent me one. He sent me this one earlier today for reading out in the podcast. So I am going to read that one out now. This comes from Thomas Alexander Graham. In true he invented Cameron, the telephone. In, yeah, in true Cameron fashion, <laughs> he actually didn't send it. Uh, he didn't send me it as Thomas Alexander Graham. It was to- Thomas Alexander. So we extra K in there. So even when he's not pronouncing things face to face to us, he's still making mistakes. So his nomination uh, for Belter of the Week is Charles Patterson. It's, Belter. Uh, Belter. And please, there's there's what? two pa- there's two paragraphs here. Please, Charles, do not interject to complain. This okay. is one of the best things I've seen sent into us. It's time we appreciate what Charles Patterson is. The perfect example of a true sports fan. The optimism and belief in his guy is to be valued. To be able to look at a glance at glances of greatness mixed in with an abundance of abject averageness and still be able to find the superlatives to scream sensationalist statements week after week is nothing short of impressive. On to paragraph two. Upon scrutinising Jordan Love and a commitment to discern in his arm, cerebral acumen or physical dexterity, a semblance akin to that of Rogers or Favre, one, find, one finds oneself ensconced in a myopic adulation few can sustain. Perhaps an independent YouTube channel dedicated to his persona, meticulously curated, would serve to elevate Patterson's distinct attributes. The ensuing social media content, tailored to the discerning palette, holds the promise of tantalising the masses with its refined allure. What? What even even is that? That was That's incredible. Total. 
That's AI, I think. <laughs> so, so, someone, someone's taken the last few podcasts and said, please describe Charles Patterson's adulation for Jordan Love. Typed it in the chat, GPT. <laughs> Use nice words. Said, I love that. It's one, it's one of the favorite things that I've seen. That, that is tremendous. I don't know what to say to that. That's extraordinary. It's also uh, see, complete you... bullshit, but there we go. <laughs> I do don't, not deserve don't, don't spoil it now. No, I do not deserve it. Right, before we talk about the games upcoming, let's just run through the games from last week. The Patriots beat the Steelers 21-18, a surprise that actually anybody bothered to stay awake for that. Atlanta were down by Tampa Bay. Baker Mayfield doing the job there. Quick word from Gordon, the Ravens against the Rams. It was the perfect Gordon McGuinness game, I will tell you. The Ravens won for Gordon, which is great, but he had enough to moan about in the chat. Perfect Sunday. They, they weren't particularly good. They were really up and down the whole game. Uh, in the chat, I said they don't deserve to win this game. And to be honest, in hindsight, probably on the balance of the game, they probably just deserve to beat the Rams. But they still have their issues. They're now the favourite to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. Um, the way they're playing just now, I don't really necessarily agree with that. But Reverse what, jinx time. But what mm. I will say is... We, we saw this week numerous examples, and we've seen numerous examples over the past two weeks. Sometimes it's not about being good. Sometimes you just have to win those games where they're close games and things go a little bit weird. The Miami Dolphins last night found a way to lose against the Tennessee Titans. The Kansas City Chiefs found a way to lose against the Buffalo Bills. The Jacksonville Jaguars found a way to lose against the Cleveland Browns. The Ravens were the one team in the of the division leaders in the AFC that rather than finding a way to lose, found a way to win. So they're in a position now whereby if they beat uh, Jacksonville and Miami, they almost definitely are going to be the one seed. Which I've said it in the past. I've said it in the past, but the best teams in the NFL are the teams that don't beat themselves. It's the teams that keep beating themselves that end up at like six and seven or whatever the record would be at the end of the season. Nobody knows. They just keep changing it. So uh, about... have, have the 49ers beat themselves this season? I don't think so. Have the Eagles? I don't think so. Did the Eagles beat themselves at the weekend with the three fumbles? No, nah, well, they got beat no, anyway. So that was, I mean, that was... That was They're that was, knackered. That was I think they need, a, they, they, need, they need a break. The shame is that there's no bye. They need a, they need a game that's not going to... But their their no, schedule gonna... the rest of the way though is all right, so they're yeah. actually. <laughs> I was just about to say they yeah. play New York Giants twice. Twice, yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I mean, who knows? They, I, they I, might I, be they, looking they for a need... favor from the Ravens on Christmas Day. Yeah, they need, <laughs> they need they need a little bit of home hometown smash Washington by thirty points, and then you can get back to normal business. So. The Bears beat the Lions, the Bengals beat the Colts, the Saints beat the Panthers in a just another horrible football game. Uh, Houston against the Jets was punt, 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 punt. And then all of a sudden, Zach Wilson decided to get hot. Uh, Minnesota 3, the Las Vegas Raiders nil. Um, that's <laughs> almost unbelievable in this day and age that you would have such a scoreline in a game and uh, we know Vegas is a popular destination for tourists to go and watch a game if you pick that one well done I presume you also lost a couple of thousand dollars at the casino as well with your luck let's talk about the Bills going into Kansas and winning there I don't know what to make of the Bills um, I don't know team. I mean but did they did they do that one for Osama? Was that the big you know? Let's give it one for the Kipper. We'll give it one for the Osama. You know, it it was, was just a weird. I think you that that's going to have to get story. cut. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> let let Cameron decide that one. I uh, don't, but, but, but Laden's dead. He can't sue us. It is true. It is true. All right, everybody else might. For being associated with the Bills. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to draw your franchise together with some really nice people. But the Bills, you mentioned it, Gordon, they're not a bad team. That, that is a seriously good win for them. I, I think they're a good team. And like, So I said at the live event, I could see it coming a mile away. We're going to get into the playoffs and the Bills are going to get the moniker of, I think, in fact, I think at the live event, the word I couldn't think of was moniker of the team no one wants to play. 
because that's exactly how it's shaping up for the playoffs. Now, the interesting thing is now they actually have an opportunity to leapfrog Miami and wind up winning the division if they can get a win against Dallas um, this week. I think the rest of their schedule sets them up to put them in position to, to win that division if they can win this week. But Josh Allen has played really well all season. The the firing of the offensive coordinator, I didn't necessarily agree with because I didn't think their offense had been that big of an issue, but it has helped galvanize them a bit. Josh Allen's running a little bit more, and they right now they look like the team that were a Super Bowl contender at the start of the season. And if you want to make the case for me right now that the Bills are the best team in the AFC, I think you can make the case. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not you know, there's a whole a whole season. I did. Of- I still don't rate them defensively. I haven't rated them defensively all year. That's the thing. If you if 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 you look at the AFC, it's just a bit of a mess. And the the two that are left going to be left standing, I think, are Buffalo and the and Baltimore because they've got most of their key pieces still there. I don't think I don't think Kansas City at the moment look like being able to, to I win think the Miami AFC. Too. I, I think I think well, but then of- <clears throat> Tyreek Hill's injured. We don't know how he's, how how injured he is. Um, Armstead has never been fully fit, and when he's not fully fit, they look vulnerable. Um, <laughs> if Terry Hill's injured, Miami are blowing out in the first round of the playoffs. Well, also, sorry. Can I so just before you go, that I've seen some stuff on Twitter from Miami fans, including uh, the line I can't remember who said it, saying that if Miami don't win the division, there should be firings. Is no. that an overreaction? Yes, no, of course not. it is, because the of course it is, because the Bills are a good team. That's not. Yeah, but Miami are two games ahead before a play, so sure, if they but, blow it now, that's. But poor. that's yeah, you know, but that's to do with like how the schedule set up at the start of the year versus mm. the end of the year and stuff like that. I think that plays a big part. The, they've the not. Other... They've not. They've not beaten a team yet, Miami. They're still to beat a good team, and that's the big question with them. They haven't beaten a but team over 500. They've got opportunities to do that over the next couple of weeks. Yep. They've got Baltimore. They've got Buffalo. I The big story from this game for me was so loads of people after the game are going on. Uh, there's big threads that have been sent into the, the Patreon chat that we have talking about how you can see historically how big whiners the Chiefs are and stuff like that. I don't overly buy that. I think every team in the NFL, you can point to things that they've complained about and build the case that they're a bunch of whiners. What I took, though, from the Chiefs' reaction to losing that game is they are rattled like they have never been in the Mahomes and Reed era. They, they lost a game fairly, and they lost a game fairly because of their own mistake at the end. And they're so frustrated by how this season's gone that they didn't know how to handle it. And it, it turned into this whole big thing. The, the Chiefs now are in serious danger of having the Broncos catch them in the AFC West, which is a ludicrous statement if you thought that at the start of the season, but they're in serious threat of that. They're under serious threat of not getting close to the first round by and winding up going out in the playoffs. That being said, if you look at their schedule, similar to the Eagles, and you look at the Ravens' schedule and you look at the Dolphins' schedule, right now the Chiefs are third favourite to be the number one seed in the AFC and it wouldn't really surprise me if they sneak in the back door and are the number one seed. And if they get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, all they need to do is win two games and they're back in the Super Bowl. So just to round off the, the games from last week, San Francisco, the first team to qualify for the playoffs given the Monday night results, beat Seattle. Denver, impressive, going to the Chargers, winning 24-7. to They're now on a winning record. So the Pats are officially out. The Panthers are officially out, as if we weren't really sure of that in the first place. And the 49ers have already got themselves in there. If, As it stands in the AFC, the Ravens are the number one seed. It would be Miami against the Colts, the Chiefs taking on the Steelers, and the Jags playing the Browns, who will not have Joe Flacco at the helm. Uh, in the NFC, the 49ers... Well, hang on, hang on, why? No, no, they will have him. They've, they just, he's, he, they're signing him to the active roster because they can't elevate him from the practice squad twice. So ah, just, is that, he's is that what the thing yeah, is? Yeah, he's there. I mean, I mean... I really just wanted to say that, just see how quickly you come to his defence, Gordon. That, that, uh, I, know, I, know you, I know you're a Flacco guy. That's a dangerous team in the playoffs because they play very, <laughs> very good defence. And if there is a quarterback who could do a Nick Foles in the AFC this year, it's Joe Flacco because before Nick Foles, Joe Flacco did the same thing. Not as a backup, but the 2012 season that is running the playoffs came out of nowhere. 
And he's better so than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, Cowboys, Packers, Lions, Vikings, and Tampa Bay against the Eagles would round out the playoffs as it stands. Gents, let's have a little look at what's coming up well, this coming I, sorry, week. Can I just you talk can, Ian, one, yes. One, one thing that really um, stood out to me, um, and it's just a little thing, but it was last night in the Dolphins-Titans uh, game when Levis threw his interception from about six yards out to the defensive lineman. Um, and the defensive lineman rumbled into the end zone for no reason whatsoever. Levis decided to stick his shoulder down and have a pop at him, <laughs> yeah. and he was the guy outweighs him by about seventy pounds. And you, as the coach, you're thinking that is completely and utterly stupid. But see if you're an offensive lineman or one of the defense, you're just sitting there going, "Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah." Levis, yeah. Le, Levis is. Quickly becoming my favourite from this uh, draft class. I really like him. I, I really, really like him. It's going to be interesting to see how how he develops. Guys, I'll run you through the schedule. Stop if you want to talk about a particular game. Uh, Thursday night football: Chargers Raiders. I mean Ugh. that. The, I'll tell you what. One of these teams could get into double figures. That's how good that game could be. Uh, Vikings Bengals takes on. It's an interesting matchup. So we've got three games. The whole, the whole that's, Saturday that's... slate is actually... So the whole Saturday slate, if you look at it, your first reaction is, oh, God. And then you actually look at it and you go, oh, wait a minute, there's playoff implications, there's playoff implications, there's playoff implications. And the, the NFL have done well with this three games. Yeah, they've broken lucky. It's Vikings, Bengals, Steelers, Colts, Broncos, Lions. I think out the three games on the Saturday, the Lions, I'm now not sure. Broncos Lions is the only game where there's starting quarterbacks playing. All the others are backups out of those four <laughs> games you've just mentioned. There's six backups at playing in those first eight um, quarterbacks. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely it is ridiculous. ridiculous. The Lions, by the way, um, not not in good shape. Char- Charles is warming up to the F word for the Lions. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking that there's a possibility that the Vikings, with quarterback number four, could win the division. <laughs> I I don't see the Vikings beating the Bengals um, on the basis of the way Jake Browning's played the past two weeks. And to be fair, in the second half against the Ravens, he wasn't terrible. He can move relatively well as a scrambler and stuff like that. And he's looked pretty decent as a passer. But if the Vikings... Do you, do you know who has been terrible though, Gordon? Who's that? When, when under pressure in the second half of the season, Jared Goff has a quarterback rating of 0.1 when he's been under pressure. I don't know. People might have said things about Jared Goff in the past and been told they were no, wrong. we're not allowed to be smug on this podcast, Cam, um, Cameron. Gosh, God, I've had to call you Cameron. It's a total insult. You're not allowed to go on and pontificate about things that you said like two years ago I, I, of actually coming true. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I said some people have said. I did not claim that I said those things. <laughs> I, Ian, I can I just check? You said 0.1. 0.1 is quarterback rating would be. Is that yeah. possible to have a quarterback rating of 0? I don't know if it's I don't know if it's NFL rating or if it's ESPN's adjusted rating that they use, but um any time when you're the only the, the only time you want 0.1% as a quarterback is when it's interceptions thrown. Every other stat you wanted to be a lot higher than that. <laughs> What if you're Tom so Brady? That's your that was your average yards per your per rush. Yeah, that, or or the Vikings against the Raiders game. Falcons Panthers Falcons should get back on track. They are the Bears against the Browns. You would expect the Browns. Buccaneers against the Packers. Both six and seven. Both currently in playoff position. Uh, Tampa Bay, thanks to winning the NFC South as it stands at the moment. Uh, you're not concerned about that game, are you, Charles? That's the most ridiculous notion to try and get me to bite on something. Of course, you have to be concerned about that game. Well, you've got to be concerned about any game at the moment. I mean, there's no. Did you not listen to the like the last three podcasts I've been on, or the first ten minutes of this one? There's absolutely no way you can predict what is going to happen between two, six, and seven teams in the NFL anymore. I mean, it'll go down to the, it'll go down to the final play, and one team will make a mistake, or the other team will do something. I mean, Baker Mayfield has shown he's capable of chucking interceptions or touchdowns around, and Green Bay are playing at home, and that's the advantage that they've got. So I don't know. I mean, they might win it, they might not. I, I would expect them on the if the law of averages would dictate that they would 
probably win it. The fact that they were six-point favourites against the Giants was ridiculous. So, yeah, I mean, you can't lose to a bad team two weeks run and expect to be in the playoffs. But who says that the Tampa are just an average <laughs> team? <laughs> and they're, they're leading the division that your team is in, and we know that they're also pish. So it would certainly help Green Bay's um, playoff hopes if they win. And if they don't win, they can still qualify, so... I I, I, mean, I will what, be what? I will be cheering on the Packers. Sorry if that I don't mm. I don't think I don't think me cheering on anyone is the jinx. It's when I make a prediction. Um, I'll be cheering on the Packers because I am entirely invested in a losing record winning the NFC South. So not only <laughs> not only do I want the Packers to win that game, I would not entirely shock me if the Panthers have like a splash game where they look somewhat competent and beat Atlanta. It is possible. I think the Jets Dolphins has got a, a little ring to it. The Jets coming well, off a good win. The Dolphins coming off. The, obviously that you mentioned that game and then the rumble in the water that if they happen to win, certain Mr. Rogers might be back on Christmas Eve. Because they would be six and six and eight if they win this game at the weekend. Yep. What are the what are the odds on us seeing Aaron Rodgers back before Christmas? That would be quite well, bizarre. Ten to one. There, there would be a phone call from New York ordering him on the field to play. Look, enough about all these rubbish games. Let's let's Jamie and I talk for three quarters of an hour about the Giants playing the Saints. That's uh, um... God's sake. <laughs> where, it, it's where, not... where Jamie has the quarterback advantage. It's going <laughs> it's gonna, to it's gonna, it's gonna be sensational, obviously. Um, well, I, if they win I, it, I don't know what. I if don't they win it, they're in the playoff mix. You know, they're in the you're in the playoff mix if you beat the Saints. And to be fair, yeah. there's no reason why you can't. No, no, absolutely. It would it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. But I don't know what to expect from the Saints. They they, they have their flashes as well. So just a shout out for the Saints coaching staff, Dennis Allen. I was listening to the game on the radio because I was on the move and there was one particular play. As soon as it came to an end, there was a first down given for Carolina. Juice McAllister in the Saints booth, who is on level six and miles away from the play. His first words were, they've played the ball wrong. They've placed it wrong. That is short. The Saints should challenge. And the Saints took so long in their own replay booth and it wasn't as if the Panthers particularly hurried up that the Panthers got the play away b- before Dennis Allen threw the challenge flag. He actually threw the challenge flag after the play had restarted. Just more incompetence from the Saints. Texans, can, Titans. Can I, can I introduce a term that I want to coin now? And it's a term of football bureaucracy. And it's teams that are good at football bureaucracy or teams that consistently win games. So teams that are able to spot things like that and challenge them. Teams that don't waste their timeouts. Teams that know that if you're a wide receiver, you have to ask the official if you're onside or offside. Those are the kind of hidden stats and parts of the game that don't get talked about enough. But it is what keeps really, really good coaching staffs and good teams at a high level consistently over the years. I mean, that's a fair point. If a guy sitting in the 600 deck in the Superdome can spot that the ball has been placed wrongly by the, the side judge, then really the coaching staff should be able to figure that out as well. But not to be the case. Time management in there as well, Ian. Texans, Titans, Chiefs against the Patriots. Again, you'd look, that got flexed out of uh, the Monday night football. 49ers, Cardinals, uh, Commanders against the Rams. And then the Cowboys against the Bills is the the nine twenty main nine twenty five game. That's, the ten and three Cowboys, like, the seven and six Bills. Yeah, that, oh yeah. That that might be a Super Bowl preview. Um, if the Bills win it, then there's a higher chance of it being a Super Bowl preview. If the Cowboys win it, then the Bills are still in a little bit of bother to try and get into the playoffs. Like the the Bills right now. So one of the things we have at PFF is uh, like projections to make the playoffs and make the Super Bowl. And the Bills are tied for seventh with the best Super Bowl odds, which is like three percent. So it's not it's not massively high, but it is still in the top um seven, eight teams in the NFL. But they're less than fifty percent to make the playoffs. Like every other team who is on two percent or more for the to win the Super Bowl is in the 80, 80, 
75th or higher percentile. The Bills are 41% just because of their struggles earlier in the year. So that this is fascinating for me because I think the Bills are good enough to, to win this. They're good enough to win the Super Bowl. But the Cowboys, you can make the case that the hottest team in the NFL right now. And implications for, for the Eagles here as well, Ian. Obviously, you want to see the Cowboys lose and the Eagles. You would. I mean, it's a tough one to go into Seattle as well. That's the Monday night game. You know, should the should the Eagles have not? Do they have to worry about other teams? Are you confident in their own schedule that they'll win out? I think the only thing you really have to worry about in the NFL is your belt not being tight enough and your trousers falling down live on television. If that doesn't happen, then your your kind of your meat and two veg don't spill out in the national consciousness. And I think everything else is a victory. That's how I like to view it. I'm looking yeah, forward I mean, that... to seeing if the the Cowboys can actually win a big game against a big team on the road. That's that. This is an I've, asset I've test che- this week. I've checked the weather forecast, and unfortunately, is a, a, a relatively mild and mm. precipitationist day. Less day on uh, Sunday. It's not ideal weather conditions for a Bills game. Unfortunately, it'll be fun to watch. Ravens Jaguars is the other one. That's the Sunday night football. Ravens. Oh, did you? You said Florida. you said last week that the Vikings Raiders was going to be fun to watch. I'm not taking your recommendations for games ever again. <laughs> It was fun to watch. I didn't say I didn't say in which way, but it was fun to watch because you're looking at the complete ineptitude of it. Going, somebody's going to have to score at some point, um, or this is going to end up nil nil. On, I mean, it was just yes. On Ravens Jaguars, am I being pessimistic, or is it my inner attempt to be a reverse jinx by saying that I am surprised that the Ravens are favoured, given the fact that Trevor Lawrence is healthy. Gordon, I accuse you of being a Cameron. I, yeah. I was a little well, I mean, I, I called you Cameron worried. earlier. Yeah. I was a little I mean, bit worried about that. Don't, you know, you stick to what you know. I'm sorry. Don't be a miserable git like Cameron Hobbs and try and um, put your own team down so that they win. Stay your I've neck seen, out. I've seen There's no reason why they shouldn't go out there if they're a good team and stomp the Jaguars. Gordon, very, when you very walk cool. along, when you walk along the street, I know you've got earth, wind, and fly, fire playing in the back of your head as you strut along. I've never seen a man look so confident and sexy as he walks along the street. Just continue living your life that way. Don't allow Cameron and his old play and yellow playing in the back of his mate mind kind of penetrate into your your consciousness. All right, but I still think the Jaguars are going to win. Ian, that leads me to the, the, the obvious question. So w- what's the music playing in the back of your head when you're walking along the street? It's usually the Benny Hill theme tune or something similar. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Right, we've reached the point of, of the podcast. Any other business, gentlemen, anything else? Yeah, we've reached the point of no return. Yes, um, this will probably get edited out anyway, but uh, oh no, I'll better not tell it. I'll tell it after the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so don't edit this out because I've not said anything that's controversial. But if I did say something, it would have been edited out, and I'll tell everybody why at the end of the episode. But not really people that are listening. I mean, people I'm pointing at at the moment. Patreons well, are going to be all over this. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, if you want to know what Ian's about to tell us off here, do subscribe to our Patreon chat. Any other business from anybody else, or are we done for episode? Two four, two five four, two five four. There we go. Two five five. Yeah, yeah. Def- no, two five four was last week. Oh, this is definitely two five five. I I just want to once again apologise to our loyal listeners um, for this week's podcast being a bit disjointed. Not the usual standard. There being no competition, as we covered earlier, it is entirely Cameron's fault. Uh, and when he comes back from New York, feel free to, I don't know, send send a potato. You can do or that. Go on, right. Or go on strike. I yeah. felt, I felt yeah. Paul, Paul dealt with it incredibly well, like a true <laughs> professional. If I was to hire Paul as some sort of spokesperson for a product, I would hire him to dress up in a bunny suit to advertise Cadbury's caramel. That's the level of sophistication I felt that Paul had today. And that's a, a, high, a, high, a high quality product. Actually, Cadbury's caramel, do they even still exist? Because I used to love yes, a Cadbury's caramel. You can get them in the yeah. miniature celebrations boxes. 
They're very good. They tend to be eaten before the Milky Way. I, I think I, I would have thought um, that you, know, you, you no, could qualify. A, you could qualify you, Paul as a as, a, Charles, as an oasis of calm in a sea your of brands, You've mixed your brands. Milky Way is Nestle. It's not Cadbury's. I'm sorry, but we must have accuracy in this podcast. Or a Galaxy Caramel. I'm thinking of. Sorry. Apologies. So next week on the next week on the podcast we'll be doing our celebrations ratings. Uh, which yeah. which what's your favourite chocolate? Ce- celebrations last. Celebration yeah. power rankings should be saved for the pish cast. That should be part of that. Yes, which, yes. What, chocolate power yeah. rankings. Is that Thursday the twenty eighth? Is that is that pish cast date? Is that confirmed? That's yeah. when we're recording it. I think if we yeah, actually so make that is, it that far, that is Cameron's our official... Wi-Fi gets pulled. Yeah, that's our official Pishcast date, so we look forward to that. Yeah, if you've got any suggestions for what we can talk about on the Pishcast, including our wonderful celebrations, rankings, I would suggest you for what alcohol Paul has to drink. It will not be Coke <laughs> Zero. It will be an abbreviation of something. What, what if we? What if we kernel? Get the get the Patreons to uh, suggest things, and we mix him a dirty pint, and he has to drink that on the Pishcast. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the second best idea of the evening. The first has to go with Ian and his suggestion. I'll send I'm going to set Cameron up a poll a right now. I'm going to do a poll for all the Patreons, and then we can see what the uh, what the results are. And you'll find out next week what he'll be drinking on the 28th of December. Stick in advocate. <laughs> Thank you, thank you very much indeed. Yeah, so feel free to send Cameron a potato for Christmas, King Edwards. Doesn't matter what it is. If you've got a spare potato, send it Cameron's why way. We, why are we potatoing Cameron? Have I missed that? Just because of those mistakes to... on this podcast. You can send other things. You can send glitter bombs. You can send, I don't know, there's loads of different things you can send online. However, and I'll say this publicly because he's not going to listen to this podcast, there is a guy I work <laughs> with at PFF and... Eight years ago, uh, we sent him a potato, me and a group of other people. Didn't say who it was from. And we've now sent him three or four potatoes over the past eight years with like various different random messages on it. Uh, The last one was something like, we've been discovered... Uh, look for the fox at the next full moon, and he like he was messaging some of us in a group chat, being like, "I don't, I don't know who this is. It's really annoying. <laughs> don't know what's happening. It's been a couple of years. I maybe need to send him another potato. He's not going to listen is to it, this podcast. So is it is it Sam Monson? It. No, Sam's part of it. It's Ben Stockwell, okay. who's our head of a, head of analysis. Me, Sam, uh, Steve, who does the podcast as well, and a guy called Rick. We all got together uh, and came up with some things that we could send send Ben as a potato. Thank you for listening to the NFL Scotland podcast and to get the very end of the great PFF potato story. For Jamie, for Ian, for Charles and for Gordon and for Cameron who's wandering the streets of New York in search of a better broadband connection. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your football next week. And from all the team, bye for now.